the rain keeps people from coming to church, obviously. I mean, the weather, it's a horrible thing. I have so much to say about that, but we could. I mean, commitment level. I guess if it's not perfect, Jesus doesn't love us. It's kind of the mindset we have. So when when it's perfect... We'll praise him. This, seriously, this is the mindset of the, unfortunately, that of the body of believers has gotten into. And one of the things that it's not just necessarily church, but good morning, everybody. It's not necessarily here church. It's the overall what I'm going to talk, because I'm going to reiterate a little bit about what we talked about last week. And I want to talk as we go into the book of Judges. We're going to go into Judges and look at the book of Judges next. Because I believe that Judges also is... Um, a huge picture of the end times because it leads us to the end times of the, the mindset or the, the, the way people tend to think. It hasn't changed, you know? And so if you're, if you're one of those people that thinks that we've been around for a billion years, if you're that type of person, then guess what? The mindset of people hasn't changed. If your biblical thinking is, you know, somewhere between six to 15,000 years old, 20,000 years old, that God made the earth with age. He's not, here's something interesting about that. I'll just go on a little rant is everyone talks about how the cycle of everything had to mature, but there's something I learned a long time ago is God, God is not controlled by creation. Creation is controlled by God. And so what happens is we get in these weird theories and we think that God has to wait on creation. He doesn't have to he just can speak it into existence. So anyhow, it brings my point that I wanted to address again last week because um, I just continue to see it and dealing with issues, answering questions, looking at it with politics. We have become misinformed as a body of believers And we look at things, our society today, I was reading articles this week about social influencers who, because of the pandemic, are now looking for the easy way out of everything. They want to make the most money with the least amount of work. And so it becomes, and if you speak against it, right, if you speak against that, they want to silence you because you're hate-filled. So what happens is we're trying to silence hard work and promote laziness, and to feel shamed for getting, being lazy. For instance, here's another article I was reading. There's a huge thing with the tips now. Tips, tips meaning if you go to a restaurant, you pay a tip, right? Well, they add them in, they add tips into your, your gratuity into your check now. Most places do. There's still a few places you can look, would you like to give this amount, this amount, this amount. Most places, there'll be, they've already added 15 or 20% in the tip, in the bill. And then they expect you to give them more. For instance, here's something I'm beginning to see. So uh, several articles about this. This is the concept. This is the mindset that has been brought into the American culture. Okay? Makes me want to go back to, I'm a, I've always been a big tipper. But now it's making me go, screw you people, man. Screw you. So the whole concept, you know those, uh, you can order food. What do they call those things? 
bring them on a motorcycle. Uber or Uber Eats or all that stuff. So Grubhub. So I, I watched a video off a ring, off of a ring, where a Grubhub guy delivers a $12 pizza, all right? So the guy pays to have it. He pays it. $12 pizza, he pays the whatever the amount of for them to bring it, and then he leaves the guy like $7 tip. And the guy throws a fit and he's complaining. I drove all the way here to your house, look at the size of your house, and all you leave me is a $7 tip. Now you have to understand the pizza was only $12. So he left the tip more than half the pizza, and the dude threw a fit walking away because his tip wasn't big enough. We've created this culture. And I believe that part of it is the church is to blame. The body of believers is to blame. Leadership in it because we wanted to be relevant in society so we let things slide. And instead of doing our jobs, and it's not just my generation, it started with the generation before me where we started letting things slide. Listen, the easy way isn't necessarily the right way. The easy way isn't necessarily the right way. We, have, we make statements, I'll say this to guys here working, I'll say, hey, work smarter, not harder. But smarter necessarily isn't the easy way. Sometimes hard work is just hard work. And sometimes living a life after Christ is just hard work. Boy, where's the grace, Pastor? Where's the friendliness? Well, what we're seeing in culture today is there is no more because you cannot compromise with evil. So I, I refer back to this when I was talking to you guys last week. The word peaceable. And I've been looking, reading through, reading through of course, Proverbs, but then going through Judges, and looking at how, and I want to take some time to explain this to you, of how our misinterpretation of it not being taught correctly, and then how we tolerate this, has led us to receive and accept the cancel culture and the woke culture. I've heard pastors and younger generation people tell me, oh, you don't understand. Well, are you going to start understanding now? Because if you don't, it will be creeping in and be in your face so bad that you will tolerate. So let me go like this. I want us to go back to this. That song that I played last week, I love that song, right? That Lord's going to give you, give me a memory, right? Give me a memory of a victory like a stone in the sling of when you fought for me. And then the author of the song, which is a brilliant song, I think it's one of the most, it's such a prophetic song. It's like, I don't know if it's prophetic or what it is, but it is definitely biblical. So here's what happens, though. As I was thinking about it over and over, she says, hey, so here's what happens. First came the lion, and David killed the lion. Then came the bear. And David killed the bear. And so when Goliath came, he already knew 
that familiarness of the enemy. And he knew how to kill the lion. He knew how to kill the bear. And I want you to see how they progressively got bigger. Each, each thing got bigger. So from the lion, which is ferocious, then you go to a bigger animal, the bear, which now can stand up on two feet, right? So you have an animal that maybe on all fours is the same size as the lion, but then the bear can stand up on two feet and attack you from two feet. So suddenly his size goes from maybe four feet to seven feet. You see what's happening here? So suddenly he kills something, then he has to go, oh no, another one. And then it comes up and then he kills it. So when the giant comes at over seven or nine, 11 feet tall, he's like, no big deal. The same way I killed the lion is the same way I killed the bear is the same way I'm gonna kill you. The, here's the issue, what we've done in our cultures for easy way, for, to, for life to be easy is this. Instead of killing the lion, we tamed it. Instead of killing the bear, we tamed it. And now we're faced with a giant we don't know how to kill, and we're trying to tame it, but the giant has more authority than we do. Because we aren't submissive completely to God because we don't like the hard stuff. We don't like it being hard. So we're not submissive to God, and our ego has checked that relationship with God. So now we're facing a giant in our world, in our society, and we don't know how to fight it. So how we fight it is to try to appease it. We're trying to tame it because we tamed the lion, and it didn't bite us anymore, but we kept it over there, and it's still evil. I can pet it sometimes. I tame the bear. It's still there, but it doesn't bother me much. But the giant shows up and says, hey, guess what? I'm not the lion or the bear. I could give a rat's behind about the lion and the bear because you have no idea how to fight me. You have no idea. You see, we tamed it because we started going, oh, that's harsh talk. Now, there's no way just to be, I'm not a, like a pulpit pounder. You're going to hell in a handbasket. The reality is people are going to go to hell. That the only way to heaven is through the belief in Jesus Christ, God's plan, the good news, by the for confessing with your mouth the forgiveness of sins and turning to follow after Christ. Doesn't mean perfection. It means following after him. Even in your mistakes, you follow after him. But what we've done is people that taught that, oh, no, never, just bring it in. It's all good. Let's teach more about prosperity. Let's teach more about being friends with people. Let's teach more about making our business successful with godly principles. Let's make sure we do this. So what we've done is we've created, we've tamed the lion and the bear, and in doing so, we have allowed in, and it's been a long time. I've been watching older shows, and I'm like, holy cow, this stuff started in the 80s. In the 80s, it started happening in sitcoms. Pushing man to the back, introducing the homosexuality as normal, right? Being mean. So we bring this stuff into place. So the lion and the bear is this woke, politically correct culture, along with other things that we've let in. 
because we didn't know the Bible or we don't know the Bible well to understand what it means to be peaceful. May I find you, remember as we closed out 2 Peter last week, we talked about the word peaceful. May I find you peaceful. May you be found peaceful. We automatically assume peaceful is, man, my neighbors don't have a problem. And even if my neighbors are jerks, I'm not going to say nothing to them. Right? I'm not going to say anything because that's peaceful. I'm a peaceful guy. I'm a peaceful person because I don't believe in violence. I don't watch MMA. I'm a peaceful person because I don't believe in guns. I'm a peaceful person because of this or that. Uh Uh-uh, you've misunderstood it completely. And because you've misunderstood what it means to be found living that peaceful way, as it says in 2 Peter, remember what we talked about, is it means this literally pictures the binding or joining together again of that which has been separated or divided and thus setting at setting us to one again so if i'm found with a peaceful life and remember i don't care if you find me with the peaceful life that's not what peter's talking about he's talking about christ finding you and i living a peaceful life what is that joined together with him we are joined together now with him been bought back received it And now our feet are shodded with the shoes of peace, which is who? Jesus. So we have a firm foundation in Christ Jesus. Right? So that is how we are found living in Christ. It is, remember, it's the inner rest. This is what it is to live a peaceful life. Not peaceful in my neighborhood. If you don't have this, you'll have no idea about that. And this is the problem we've run into. It's because we don't have a peaceful life with God. So we think to ourselves, the only way to be peaceful is to be peaceful with God, the same way I'm peaceful with my neighbors and all that. No, it's a misdirection. They've totally been, it's psyops. The devil is a master of psych. psych, You guys know what psyops is? Psychological operations? is I'll defeat you with psychological stuff before I even face you in combat. I'll get you thinking, ops. I'll get you chasing things. Social media is brilliant at that. The news media is brilliant at that. Clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. It's psychological operations. They're trying to get you focused on something so that becomes your reality. So now we're running around trying to be peaceful with everyone. But we're not peaceful with him. We're trying to be peaceful with the world, negotiating with the world. I was listening to one of the EU, one of the ladies from the EU. She's getting blackballed by the United Nations on their parliament, but she's going after it with them. She's telling the people of the world, you guys are, had better wake up. You cannot negotiate with an alligator or a crocodile. All you'll do is be the last one eaten. Your conformity to the, what the world is doing is insane. They're saying they are taking away the rights and the, the, like the Nuremberg rights, all of that stuff, the human rights, they're taking it away under the guise of pandemic emergency, world peace, to control. And they're saying it, but no one's listening. Why? Because we're watching the Trump thing. I mean, think about this for a moment. This is psychological operations. We elect officials. We do it here in Belize, right? 
for our best interest. But we send these guys, our prime minister, our minister of health, all these guys, we send them off to these meetings at all over the world. And then these dudes go sign stuff that the people of Belize have no idea what they signed. You would think that if it, if it involves the freedom of a, an American, a Canadian, a Belizean, a Mexican, a Guatemalan, you would think that the people would bring that back for the people to say, yes, let's sign that, or no, not just under the assumption, well, you elected me, I'll sign it. No, because we don't know what was handed under the table at those places. We don't know the deals that were dealt. And when, once before, you know, especially during the pandemic, which is so funny to me, guys, this is reality for us as believers because we've been buying into this. He goes, is he ranting on politics? No, I'm ranting on our relationship with Christ of how we've swayed. So all of that before was conspiracy theory. <clears throat> Remember, Christians are conspiracy theorists. None of that stuff is happening. Now it's all coming out that it did happen. Notice there's no conspiracy theorist statements anymore. It's because all the people that bought into the conspiracies are freaking out. Take the shot, it won't harm you. Dude, the moment the government starts piping up to me on social media about, oh, we have no data that, that shows that, that young adults are dropping over from the COVID vaccine. We have no, 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 it's all the same. It's been at the same rate since ever before. Uh, is it and could it be that we're watching young people drop over left and right? I watched the interview this week with um, Ice Cube. I think that's who it is. I think it's that dude. He's talking about the same thing. He says, you guys come rolling in the black community, you're going to give me a shot that you rushed? Uh-uh, I didn't take it. And he talks about how much money it cost him in the industry. He said it cost him tons of money, but he's like, you ain't shoving that stuff in me. And then he starts naming off people that are just dropping. And notice how they hide it? What did, what did the NFL football player have the heart attack from? They won't tell you. They just tell you what the heart attack was. Bronny James, the heart attack that he just had. They don't tell you what caused the heart attack. They just tell you what is the heart attack. And all these other watching sportscasters, people just dropping, boom, football players throughout Europe, boom, 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 young at the fit. That young girl just now in Australia in the Women's World Cup, boom, drops down, 18 years old. What, are the, what is the one thing they all have in common? The COVID shot. But before it was conspiracy, now it's truth, and they're trying to say, well, there's no medical data for it. Well, that's not true because now we have medical data that's coming out of Wuhan, coming out of China, coming out of everything. Fauci's a liar. We said it all along. Everything they put into place was about compliance. And the church, the majority of the church, went along with what government said, not God. And they used the verses from Romans and Corinthians to justify cowardice to comply with that which speaks and goes against God. I tell you, I'm telling you right here, the peaceable life that I'm supposed to be found in 
It's inner rest, well-being, and harmony. The ultimate peace in a state, listen to me, this is what it means, of reconciliation with Yahweh. That's what it is to be found living a peaceful life. It has nothing to do with how I treat Paul and Desi. From this state is how I treat them. You see what I, you guys see what's happening here? This is why it's so important that we understand because we don't know how to deal now with woke and political correctness and the LGBTQ community because we're like, well, if I speak out, oh dear God, if I speak out against it, then I'm not a peaceful person and then I'm not a good follower of Jesus. Oh my God. And the world says, yes, that's so true. And we go, oh, so I'll be with, okay, good, good, good. Even the Pope recently. The Pope comes out and says, Y'all must love and accept the LGBT plus community. I will love them. I will not accept it. I will love them. I will talk Jesus to them. I will die for them. But I will not accept and say that their lifestyle is biblical because it's not. Because in the word of God, it says that they will not inherit his kingdom because of their lifestyle. Well, what if they've accepted Jesus? Show me the repentance. Listen, I walked through this with the guy one time. I did. And here's what true repentance looks like with a, a guy that struggles with homosexuality. As we walked him through it, this guy, he admitted it, and long story short, <clears throat> he says, I feel a lot like an alcoholic. I said, what do you mean? He says, my faith in Christ, I know that a same-sex relationship with, with another man is biblically wrong and will not let me inherit heaven but hell. But I am attracted sexually to men. But because of my love for Christ and his forgiveness, it is a daily battle for me to walk in purity with God and not fulfill the lusts of my flesh. Now, he will tell you straight to your face, I'm a homosexual. Is he going to heaven? I believe so, absolutely. Just like I believe an alcoholic who says, I struggle with this. I struggle with it. And daily, I carry this cross with Christ. And he has forgiven me. And so I move in him. He's going to heaven. Just like those who are, were once addicted to pornography that still will tell you, man, you know what? I'm so weak that if I saw one thing, I would go right back to it. But because of the forgiveness of sins, because of what God did through his son, Jesus Christ, I carry that daily and I present it to God and I'm forgiven. Are they going to inherit heaven? Yes. Why? Because they are living inner rest, well-being, and harmony because they're in a state of reconciliation with Yahweh. How? By placing one's faith in Jesus Christ in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. But we have mistaken peaceful as how I live amongst community. 
And because now that's what I'm talking about. We've petted and tamed the lion and the bear, and now the giant's on us, and we don't know how to fight the giant. Because if we speak up against it, we're afraid of what the lion and the bear might do because they might turn against us too. And now we're terrified because, good God, how am I going to kill the lion, the bear, and the giant at the same time? Think about this. I'm just saying, guys. We bought into it and played into it. We need to readdress how we're thinking. We need to refocus on a relationship with Jesus Christ, not the world. Well, if I do this, I'll lose something in business. If I do this, I'll do this. Hey, guys, we're getting ready to do Band of Brothers in Guatemala. There's a group of people that dudes that just want to go. I'm inviting every Belizean that wants to go should go. Honestly, you have to get your way. I can't pay, but you should go. And here's why you should go. Because they're in the midst of turmoil as a country. They have the, they, they have the worst to choose from. Their political system, they have, they have a witch and a communist running for a president. And there's nothing that they can do about that. One of the two is going to be elected. The witch, she wants to, she used to be a rebel, a FARC rebel. She wants to have that type of policy run Guatemala. The communist daughter, which goes against everything communism, it's crazy to me, she's pro-abortion, or he is because of his daughter, is pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage, LGBTQ. They want to shut down foreign investments unless it comes from communist nations. And the majority of the people in Guatemala, that I have not talked to one person in Guatemala that votes for either of them, they go, we don't know what to do. And I said, Jesus is what we do. And then people from the outside are telling me, you know how dangerous it is? You know how dangerous it is? It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because we're rolling in. I'm going to be heading there the day after the election. <laughs> it's going to be barred. It's going to be barred. I'm a, I freaking don't care. Because I've killed the lion, and I've killed the bear, and I know how to kill the giant. If I throw the stone, I was laughing with Lisa, I said, I think when David, and it says this too, let me tell you why this is biblical. Because a peaceful life will inspire you to go after people. Do you understand? It will inspire you to go after them so that they may experience the same peaceful life that you have. Not just letting them live in their sin. In the story of David and Goliath, David, it says when Goliath, they're, they're kind of chatting back and forth, but you can see David walking towards Goliath. When you read the story, it's the most powerful thing. It should be a movie, and it should be done the right way. But David starts walking towards Goliath. And he, they're chanting, and Goliath is spewing. It's as if Goliath is walking towards David. And they're walking, and they're talking back and forth. And then he starts, he starts mocking Yahweh. And David has enough of it, and he says, How dare you mock God's children? And let, how dare you mock God, the God of Israel? How dare you? Today I will cut off your head, and the ravens will feast on your flesh. And it says at that moment that he ran towards Goliath. 
He didn't wait there like our storybooks tell us, the political correct crap that we're teaching. David's standing there with his sling while the giant's running at him. The giant being the ferocious one. The ferocious one was the servant of God. David was the ferocious one. David's blood was that precursor blood that would run through the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the beast, this king of the beasts. And David's mentality is a forepicture of Christ when it comes to evil, but somehow we've become pussified. I don't want to carry me. My neighbors, I might lose my job. The government might come and arrest me for preaching on a Sunday. Think about this. David takes off running at Goliath. And he puts that sling, he's a skilled marksman, and he throws it. I like to joke, I was joking with Lisa, I go, hey, what if he like missed through it? Like every now and then I'm on the gun range. And those of you who have fired guns, you realize that sometimes you, you anticipate. So right as you, even as you pull the trigger, you realize your round is off target. What if David threw it and was like, oops. But the Holy Spirit said, nope, and took that stone and went, pow. I don't know, but here's what David knew. David knew that God delivered him and the sheep from the hands of the lion. And he fought him with his bare hand. And then he knew he did the same thing with the bear. And there's no way that physically we should be able to do that. So he knew running at Goliath at this evil, he knew he could defeat it because God would not let him down. But I will tell you this. <clears throat> Why was King Saul sitting in the tent while David went out and fought? Because King Saul did not kill the lion. He did not kill the bear. He tamed them through treaties and agreements with the enemy. And all along, the enemy kept taking ground and taking ground and taking ground till they met on that field of battle that day. Our, our lives reflect that. We don't know how to deal with wokeness and political correctness because we, don't, we are not living peaceable lives. We don't understand. The moment you understand, wait a second, this is what it means? Peace implies health, well-being, and prosperity? That's what it implies. Prosperity. Even shalom. From God, from the Hebrew, it means prosperity. It doesn't mean that you're going to be rich like prosperity like they some, you know, give me $10 and I'll, you'll get $10 million from God. It's like, well, wait a second, you might make $10 million over your lifespan, but it doesn't mean you're going to have like $10 million in the bank account. You know what I'm saying? If you look back at the amount of money you've made already, even you young people, you'd be shocked at how much you've already made. And then you start going, oh, man, I actually am kind of prosperous. I may not have everything, but I'm pretty prosperous. So here's what, it's not passivity. Peaceful or living in peace is not passivity or indifference. We've been duped into thinking that's what this is. 
And so we're living against our neighbors are doing crap. Like what has happened in our world? And I talked about this. I'm reiterating a little bit of last week because it's so powerful. What, if you look over your fence and see a guy digging a hole at 2 a.m. in the backyard and burning crap, and you, know, and you see girls come, but you don't see them leave, you see him bringing bags of stuff, you've got to stand up and go, <laughs> hey, neighbor, what are you doing back there? Well, Pastor John, no, wait a second, Pastor John, that's not living a peaceful life. You know, I'm going to be peaceful with my neighbors. I'll just let them do whatever they want. Do whatever you want. Are you freaking kidding me? This sounds harsh, but it's true. You could have saved a life. His neighbors could have saved a few lives. But because they don't know what a peaceful life in Christ, to be found living a peaceful life in Christ was, it caused them to live a way the world told them was peaceful, not the biblical way that was peaceful. Did you guys hear that? Because they didn't understand what it means to be found living a peaceful life before the Lord, they had no idea how to live that life. Therefore, they were living by the way the world told them to live peacefully, which is why we have so many problems, not God's way. Because right now, I'll tell you this, there should be an uproar in this nation by Belizeans. How dare you even want to rewrite our Constitution? How dare you? Who even brought this idea up? How dare you want to remove the supremacy of God in our nation? How dare you? But no, we're just going to go around our peaceful lives because we won't get our free hands out, handout. Have you seen the free handouts? Is that what we're worth politically? The money at the booths to $50 for a boat, some Belican beer, a T-shirt. That's what you're worth? That's your self-worth? Hey, vote for me. I'll give you $100. Give me $10 million and I'll say I'm voting for you, but I'm not going to. Do you see what I'm saying? Someone will edit what I just said. They'll cut that out and say that, yeah, I'm telling you, that's just how it works. It's because we haven't been taught, and we too, listen to me, this is what happens to us here and at home. We're not diligent enough because we're looking for the easy way to read the Bible, not the right way. We won't take the time to go into the depth of it to find out what it means and then to inquire of the Holy Ghost to show us what it means. And we won't take the time to start looking at how that same word has affected other people in Scripture. Because it's too hard. I'm too busy. I got stuff to do. I got stuff to build. I've got this. So what I'll do is I'll use the stuff that I like and I'll discard the stuff I don't like. It's like the Thomas Jefferson Bible. Thomas Jefferson took stuff out that he didn't think belonged in the Bible so he could live his life a biblical way. <laughs> it's classic. We laugh at that, but the reality is how many of us do that? I'll take out stuff out of the Bible I don't like, and then I'll like the stuff I do like and tell you that I'm living a biblical. Who, anyone else do that?
It is sinful to alter the Word of God, to be a coward, and to live a peaceful life that does not include Jesus Christ, but to use His Word as kind of a shield, like, well, see, the Bible says, and I take a few things to justify why I live not in relationship, but why I live in self-indulgence. Scary. Shalom, make it good, shall surely repay. That word shalom is the same word. It's that peaceful living, shalom. God himself is promising, I will repay evil for what it is owed for you. I will make, it means to make full restitution. You can look this up in the book of Exodus. I will restore. Shalom. I will shalom you. When God looks at you and goes, shalom, I will shalom you. He's saying to you, I will restore you. I want you to live in a place of restoration. The ancient Hebrew, shalom. Again, I'm repeating last week. But God was like, just hitting me. He's like, man, even before we go into Judges, you've got to hit this because people have to understand how we've gotten into this concept of peaceful living and we think we're living the right way and we're not because we're living by the direction of the world, not by the direction of God's word. You can argue with me all day. So be it. You do what you want to do. Because I'm not the one that will find you living in a peaceful state. It's God who says he will. May you be found living this way. Why? Because he looks to you and says, what? You're grounded in me. In shalom, the ancient way, it is to make something whole. He's saying to, when God is talking through Moses in Exodus and Deuteronomy, and he says to shalom, the peace on them, he is, God is actually saying, I am making you whole. It's an overall fullness of completeness in mind, listen to this, body and estate. It is the same as the Greek word for peace and peaceful. I will make you, your mind complete, your body complete, and that which you are a steward complete. That's what I will do. But you have to be living this peaceful life. Again, it's hard. I keep saying it. But every time I say peaceful, your mind goes back to a non-combatant state, doesn't it? A non-aggressive state. I'm peaceful, peaceful, peaceful. That is not what it means to be found that way. Let me say this. <clears throat> when I'm living a peaceable life, from that foundation, this is what Jesus talks about in Mark. What is one of the commandments that Jesus gives us? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What is strength referring to? Listen, I will tell you what I believe strength is going back to a state because it takes strength to monitor your prosperity to monitor what God's steward giving you to steward so Jesus says 
love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. So what happens is, if I'm living this way, in a peaceful state, loving God with my heart, mind, soul, and strength, I'm going to treat you the way you should be treated, but I'm also going to speak truth to you, even if it hurts you. Say this to somebody. You are lazy. Ah! Those are hate words. I need a safe place. You know, you're lazy. That's what it is. Look at all. I get that all the time. It drives me crazy. And I just tell people here, I don't care. People say that and I go, you're lazy. You go do something. You're lazy. Because people will come to me and go, my pastor, look at all the things you may have. I had a poor man. Look me on have this only thing here, boy. But you a rich man, you know. Go out and work, you lazy bum. You want me to give you something because the money that you get for the little bit of work that you do, you buy red top with. But now it's my fault because I have what I have, it's my fault because you're lazy. I don't play the political game. I'm not woke. I don't care. I don't care what the younger generation, I don't care. Pisses them off. Oh, he's one of those old guys. Guess what? You're going to be one of those old guys too, the younger generation. You're going to be one of the oldest, but it's going to be overrun by then if you don't stand up and start fighting like the old guys. Listen, we're going to own it. My generation's going to own this fiasco. I'm telling you right now, the fiasco that we're in with this whole political correct TikTok crap, I'm telling you right now, my generation, we're going to own it because we saw it coming and we did nothing. We were given everything and we did nothing. We saw the effects. Let me tell you this. This is what's crazy. This is why I say I'm owning it. And because I'm owning it means I get to speak against it. We saw my grandfather's generation fight one of the most brutal com campaigns for freedom in the world. That included Belize, because Belize lost their own in World War II also. And they saw such horrendous pain and suffering and violence that that generation came home, and they are the greatest generation, and they created business and life and prosperity, but because they didn't want their offspring to experience it, they held back when they should have said something more and introduced that generation of the 60s and 70s. Free love, sex all over, man. God, flower children, God's got to be. It's psyops, man. The enemy's like, watch this, this is what I'm going to do. That generation then brings forth my generation. Introducing into our generation, Apple, Microsoft, right? The Walkman, all that. L listen to, my generation's crazy. Cell phones, no longer, we used to have those big ones and start going flip phones. It's the 80s. The, those who were born in the 60s from like 61 to 74 or whatever it is, this generation, yeah, 
Yeah. We were the offspring of our grandfather's generation that, that came through their offspring, who it's my mother and father. And so they, that offspring comes through to us. Now, when we got older, we experienced the benefits of all that. You tracking? We experienced it. Oh, man, we can touch base with people. Are you kidding me? I, can, I don't have to go into a grocery store and buy a magazine. I can get it right here. I can look at a nudie magazine right here. That's all introduced in the 80s. It all started getting kicked in. So then the 90s roll around, right? We have a couple little glitches, a couple little wars, boom, 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 boom. But our generation begins to fight, starts to look at stuff, but now we're about making big money, big money, big money, big money. We start to see at that time, the, the divorce rate starts to increase within the church. We start to see a mass exodus. Because our generation is out making tons of money, the people that are hard workers are going to go out and build businesses. The others are going to be, listen, I'll say this will piss some people off, but others will just be think tinkers. All they'll do is go to school, become a career student, be taught by a person that's never owned a business how to run a business. The best thing for someone to do is go take a business course and then go out and start your own business and realize that half the crap that they teach you in the business course is nonsense. But the professor will argue with you all the way. He will argue with you all day long about his ways the right way. You say, oh, yeah, come to Belize and try that. And then he'll have a thousand excuses of why the economy in Belize, blah, blah, blah. And if you didn't like that, blah, blah, why? And then you ask him, how many businesses have you owned? None. Well, who taught you this? My professor. Oh, so we've got a professor's professor. We've got third generation professors that have never owned businesses teaching business courses. <laughs> you know who some of the best football coaches are in American football, the best soccer coaches are, some of the best basketball coaches are, baseball coaches are, not stars. You know who they were? The students that played the sport that were students of the game that came out and said, I played, this is what I did blah, 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 I wasn't an all-star, I wasn't this, but they understand the game and can coach because they understand the mindset. Why? Because it's not theory. It's a fact. The, some of the greatness of America has been lost because politically, in our military system, somehow down the line, we quit electing presidents who had no military experience. Therefore, they cannot think. They're, they're the commander-in-chief, but they're crybabies. And they do not understand what men and women go through in war. It's, honestly, it's a true statement. I believe a prerequisite of any military or any political leader in any country should have had to gone through the military. If you're going to be the person that pulls the trigger, you should have to have gone through the military. You should. We should write that in the Constitution of Belize. Watch the cowards run. You should have, in America, watch them run. So now you have commanders and chiefs looking at battle plans. They have no idea. They're trying to make it decisions based upon what generals are telling them, but they can't understand the 20 or 30 or 40 years of experience that that general has. So they go off a gut feeling and then they got over here a whole group of their think tankers. This is how it's working, guys. This is what the church has fallen into. He's got all these 
woke, politically correct, flower-hungry people, politically correct freaking people that are talking about peaceful, peaceful life, peaceful life, half the Christians involved, yeah, yeah, politicians are Christians too. I agree, I agree, there are some, but man, you're, it's, how are they voting? Are they voting for abortion? Are they voting against abortion? Are they voting for, well, the LGBT plus community has rights too. We're not, but you voted for that? Yeah, because I want to live a peaceful life. Then you're living peacefully based upon what the world is teaching, not the Bible. You're not living a peaceful life. So you've got this massive think tank telling a president, they've, none of them have ever served. All they're concerned with is their own prosperity, their own wealth. Telling the president to do something, well, this is what your base will say. If you vote this way, you might lose your election. So now the people, like in America, the president's based on ego. And then he makes a military decision. We just saw that. Shame, shame, shame on President Biden and his administration for how they withdrew from Afghanistan. I don't have a problem with drawing from Afghanistan. I don't have a problem with that. But how we did was based on by a man who is a coward that never really served, has lied, has been a career politician, listened to a bunch of people that told him how to do it, and it cost people's lives. And there are mothers and fathers sitting in congressional hearings right now as they cheapen the lives, as Congress and the United States tries to cheapen the lives of these brave men and women that died because a president that has no understanding of anything military made a decision. A good friend of mine says, never, John, make a decision from the platform of fear. Always make a decision from the platform of concern. Because if you make a decision based from the platform of fear, people will die. Because you're more concerned with yourself than you are the group. Oh, you go, is he ranting or does he have something? I have something for you here. Jesus said when we have a peaceful life, when we are grounded in him, when we put this in, remember, when we are no longer, that we are in harmony, right? That the ultimate peace is in the state of reconciliation with Yahweh, then suddenly we realize that in that state <clears throat> that I am reconciled with Christ, my focus becomes to my neighbor, not myself, because I'm going to be okay. <laughs> it's not a joke. But we're running around as Christians trying to be popular. Speaking against this system, speaking against the giant, is not popular. You're going to get ridiculed. They ridiculed David. Guys, don't think that the Israeli army was all, the Hebrew army was all in it. They ridiculed him. His brothers ridiculed him. For There's a picture here. For living a life after Yahweh, his own brother from a Yahweh-focused home told him to mind his own business and go home. Because his courage was like a huge mirror on their cowardice and lack of trust in God. And when one person rises up with the courage that comes only from God, let me tell you this, 
I pray all the time. Some of you in this room have heard me pray this over you. May you have the courage of Benaiah to go into a cave on a snowy day and fight a lion. May you have the courage of David to fight a giant. And may you have the courage of Jesus to carry the cross. When that courage fills you and you go to fight the giant, listen to me. People around you, even in church, the religious, it is a reflection of their cowardice for the voice, whether they're afraid to lose something, their lack of trust in God. Think about it. We've all been in that. Man, what's that guy doing, man? Oh, my gosh. Hey, man, take it easy. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, look at that guy. He's a martyr. David had to fight that. And then he goes in to see the king, and the king says, well, put on the armor. What is Saul trying to give him? Saul is trying to give, God tells David, David, just go kill the giant. Go get five smooth stones. Take your sling. You're an expert at it, kid. Goes in to meet Saul. What does Saul tell him to do? Put on my armor, David. Put on my armor. I'm your king. David has to, he has a literal physical king he's standing before, whose son is his best friend. So there's a father figure, as well as a king, who is telling him the opposite of God. It wasn't easy for David. And so David had to go, okay, I can put this stuff on. It's heavy. It's bull. I can't move the way I Listen, I killed the lion this way. I killed the bear this way. I got to kill the giant, but there's no way I can wear this. I'm not battle-hardened in this. I don't know how to move in this. But I know how to move with the sling and the stone. And I know how to move at a threat. And I'm not afraid of claws, and I'm not afraid of fangs. I've got to do it. I've got to quit listening to the way the world is telling me to live. Even if it costs friendship. Even if it costs separation from family. And I've got to start living the way God says to live my life. Outspoken for him. And this is how good God is in that. little side note. Jonathan still was his best friend. And David became king. But he didn't know that. When he made the decision to tell the king, you keep your crap. You brothers can do what you want to do. Cry babies. Just eat the bread and the cheese and the olives I brought you. You soft suckers. I have other words for them. I'm going to go kill a giant for all of you. And when he killed the giant and he cut off Goliath's head, what happened? All the woke, politically correct, power-hungry fools and the army of Goliath took off running. What did the army of Israel do? What? Yay! Yay! A hero! They took off to pursue the enemy. Then what did all the people that were hiding in the hills do? That were, they jumped out and started chasing the enemy. Because they realized, right? They realized that one man can win. 
Now I want you to see something. It's bigger than one man. It's that they saw that Yahweh wins, but he can just use one man. See, the picture just isn't about David. The picture is a picture of Jesus conquering Satan on the field of battle, and it's not a bloody conquest. David was not bloodied in the conquest. David destroyed the enemy before he reached him. It is a picture of Jesus crushing evil on the cross. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. So we get this passage. We've been taught by the world that Christians in the church keep our mouths shut. Don't talk politics. Don't talk church. Keep your mouth shut. Oh, hey, that's offensive to that person. Hey, listen, if that person's sitting there and I speak against the way they believe, they might not come to church next week. Well, freaking whoop-de-doo. I don't care. Because I want to speak truth. Because in the end of days, when they stand before God and they say, well, I sat in a church for 30 years. Okay, but why should I let you in? Because I was in church for 30 years. Our pastor was cool. We had great worship sets. We had the best freaking sound system on the planet. We rock, baby. We had barbecues. It was happening. Yeah, but why should I let you in? Because I was peaceful with my neighbors. I didn't cause any trouble in my neighborhood. When people came and stole my pineapples, I let them have my pineapples. Listen, man, I didn't want to hurt the guy that was raping the girl, I didn't want to hurt his feelings, so I didn't tell on him. Peaceful, man, that's why. I was a good guy. I was a good girl, man. That's why I should get into heaven. He's like, man, did they ever teach the truth where you were at? Did they teach the truth about me? Because you lived a life of torment thinking it was peaceful based upon the, the credentials or their... I forget the word, just brain cramp, on what the world is telling you peaceful is, not what Jesus says it is. This goes in as an introduction into the book of Judges. Because we're going to see a series of events of restoration and prosperity, and then we're going to let the world teach us how to think and total destruction, and then rescuing, right, restoration, peaceful where you can run your estate, and then we're going to let the world teach us how to live, and we're going to listen to them, and total destruction. It's a series of that in the book of Judges. Think about it. People are afraid to speak their voices, but now's the time when you have to. You're not going to be, listen, the name Jesus is not welcomed unless you say Jesus and he's okay with your homosexual lifestyle. He's okay that you like little children, that you're a pedophile. That's the only Jesus they'll take. And even in our churches today, some of our churches, it's the Jesus that makes you rich. Or it's the Jesus that's politically correct. He's woke, man. It's a harsh topic, but we have to hit it because now we are in the fight of our lives 
and we'll let rain stop us from coming to church. But yet we'll say, look at the condition of the world. We'll say, look at what they're not doing. We need to do more. Okay? Do you even know how to live? The first part is get into the Word. Start reading it. When you read words that the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not hard. This isn't just for a pastor. I'll be reading through the Word of God. This is how I want you to do it. It's simple note, right? It's going to piss off all the Bible commentary companies. And I'm going to tell you, this is how it goes. You get in the Word, and you start reading it. And the Holy Ghost will highlight a word to you. And then you can Google it. There you have it. That's it. I give you peace. So he was saying, is that what it means when Jesus says, I give you peace not as what the world gives, but this everlasting, you're right. Jesus is saying, I give you a firm foundation. That's why the body of the, the armor of God is not the armor of Saul. The armor of God is Jesus. He is the helmet of salvation. He is the breastplate of righteousness. He is the belt of truth. He is the shield of faith. He is the shoes of peace. It's not the peace. This is what pisses me off. Because we teach this crap to our kids. Put on this weapon of war. 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 And take out this weapon of war. But be a coward and passive and indifference. Because you, got, you live a peaceful life. And you will approach nothing that's dangerous. If you've been to church long enough, that's what you've been taught. It's confusing to an eight-year-old. But when you teach it like this, I'm not talking about this, listen, oh, he's a warmonger. No, but we live in a violent world. And it's fought, it is fought both spiritually and physically. But when I teach you that the helmet of salvation protects my mind, I am saved, once saved, because of my faith and my following in Jesus Christ, right? The helmet of salvation protects me to know that when the enemy shows up and starts whispering lies to me, you're not saved, you are horrible, you made sin, oh, you had sex outside of marriage, oh, you got drunk last night, oh, you did this. My brain is protected by the salvation of Jesus Christ because I know that in his word and the truth of his word, I can ask for forgiveness and I have been forgiven because he doesn't expect me to be perfect. He doesn't expect me to continue in it. That's how I believe you can lose salvation. But then I put on the breastplate of righteousness. My soul is protected by the righteousness of Christ. Why? Because like Abraham, I'm, I'm just giving it to you right now. It's throughout the Bible. Paul wrote about it, but it started out that Abraham was found righteous. Why? Because of, Jesus, because of his belief in God. Paul said, take off the old man and put on that cloak of righteousness. The new man, who is who? Jesus. Put on the belt of truth, which will gear you up for war. The belt is so that you take your garment that you're wearing and you gird it up and tie it in the truth. For what? For the fight. 
Pastors teaching violence. Yep. Yep. Because sometimes it's going to get super violent in the spiritual world. And you better be able to drop to your knees and pray. And sometimes it gets violent in the, in the physical world. And you better be able to stand fast and fight. Cracks me up. This is how our society has gone to crap. Stores are Firing employees for stopping people from stealing from them because, oh, we don't want to have an appearance of violence, of being violent people. Good, then just open your doors and let everyone eat. The belt of truth. What is the truth? The truth about everything Jesus, that he will protect you. That's why God gave you that truth, the truth of the gospel message, that you can get in this fight and that the enemy will resist you and the enemy is going to come against you and the world hates you. That's the truth. That's what you're binding up your garments for, for the fight, is that everything God says is true. The shield of faith. That I stand behind it and the fiery darts of the devil cannot penetrate. Because Jesus, my faith in Christ, is my shield. And then he says, the shoes of peace. Which ground you. Listen to this. They ground you in making you whole. In the overall completeness in mind, body, and estate. That's what peace is. It's not this peaceable life like, oh, no, hey, me don't watch no face. Me don't want to do that. It's not that. It's standing up to a big corporation going, hey, you can do this on this day, but we're doing this on this day because Jesus comes first. Well, you're going to lose a lot of money. Good. God makes more money than you. I know it's harsh, but this is decisions every human being has to come with. Or you take it from the world. Well, if you do that, you know, we're going to have to fine you and blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'll comply with you, but I will not. I tell people this all the time. I will comply with certain things. I will do certain stuff. We, during the whole COVID time, we live by the rules here. We did the whole rules here. We did our space. We did all stuff, but we did not close down. You know why? Because I will not bow to you and kiss your ring. I bow to one and one alone. His name is Jesus Christ. That offends you? Take it up with him. But I will not bow to you, sucker. You're temporary. It's a fact. Jesus is eternal. Then he says this, when I'm grounded in the peaceful, that life, why do I fight why I fight? Because of Jesus Christ. Because of, let me go back to this, because I have been joined together again I was separated and divided, but now you've brought me back into one. The ultimate peace in the state of reconciliation is the shoes of peace. That I stand here with the full armor. Now watch, this is the most important part. That I stand here in the full armor of God, grounded with the shoes of peace. That I have been reconciled with Yahweh. And I am grounded, and Jesus Christ is the rock on which 
I stand. Uh, all those verses you've heard are starting to come together now, right? The rock in which I stand, Jesus Christ, grounded on the rock. You build your house on the sand, what happens? Build your house on the rock, what happens? When the storms come, your house will fall if it's on the sand. But if it's on the rock, it's, it stands for... There's the, all of this, you just got to read it. That is who Jesus Christ is, so that on the rock in which you stand, when you draw the sword of the Spirit, the gift of God, the words that you speak to the enemy and to the world in love and in rebuke have power because it does not come from you, it comes from His Spirit who was His promise, and His words through the Holy Ghost will pierce you like a sharp two-edged sword. That is living a peaceful life. That's how being found peaceful. I'll close with this. When I'm found living that way, two things happen to me. Lisa will tell you, it, fr it frustrates me. I struggle all the time. And if you want to know more of what I struggle, I'll tell you in a private about things that bother me because I think it'll just be that way all the time. It's just the enemy. But when you live that way, grounded in peaceful living, two things move you. One, you're moved with compassion like Jesus was moved with compassion to help as many people as you possibly can. And you ground out all the people that talk trash that are doing nothing because they're shamed by what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're doing this and that. Oh, well, wait, focus here. No, I want to get as many people I possibly can get to because I'm moved with compassion. Remember what Jesus said? And this isn't like bigging me up. I see other men and women globally doing this. And I go, yeah, I want to do what they do. Remember what Jesus said? He was moved when he saw people coming. What was he moved by? Compassion. They're shepherdless. I'm grounded in you, Jesus. And when I see that, I'm moved with compassion. But then I'll also tell you this. The second thing that you have when you're living a peaceful life, and this is what no one likes, is you will walk into churches and flip over the tables. You will stand in the face of the devil, and you'll say, I rebuke you, sucker. Because just as fast as I can be a, a person moved by compassion with my robe down, and embracing you and loving you and feeding you and wanting the best for you and teaching you how to be the best you can be. When evil rears its face, man, I gird up and go, you want to go fight? I'll fight you right now. I will fight you right now. Oh, that's not a Christian. Then if that's not Christianity, then one of us are wrong and I'm not wrong. Because it's the Bible. It's because I watched Jesus do it throughout Scripture. I'm not a warmonger. I'm not looking for it. But when evil rears its head, what are we supposed to do? Sit back and let it happen? You're just supposed to sit back and let what's happening in Belize and America happen? You see what I'm saying? People go, oh, don't talk about abortion. Are, are you serious? Is that what being a Christian is? We're just supposed to be okay with abortion? Are we supposed to be okay with 84,000 missing children in America right now that cross the border? Are we supposed to be okay with a $150 billion human trafficking industry? Is that what the church is supposed to be okay with? Are we okay with pornography? 
the cartels, the drugs, the rape, the fatherless homes, the abandonment. Are we supposed to be okay with that? Be peaceful? Because by God, we're peaceful with building humongous stuff that's used once or twice a week. Huge bank accounts. We're okay with that. Ooh, getting touchy now. Listen, here's the deal, too. I don't have an issue with any of that. When those same people are ready to gird up and get in a fight. But when we sit around, and let me say it, let me rephrase it. I have an issue with pastors, not the body, but with pastors who are more concerned with their money than they are their people. And they will tell their people to not focus on those drastic needs that need change, but to focus on them. It's a weird, you have to walk through, that's why it can only be guided with the word of God. What are we supposed to be okay with as Christians? You guys are facing it right now. What are you supposed to be? Every generation in here, from the oldest to the youngest, is hitting your cultural time. What are you supposed to be okay with? What are the things that you struggle with? What's the government telling you to be okay with? What's the media telling you? What's social media telling you? What's worse? The guy that steals to put food on his table or the guy that steals out of greed? Neither. It's both stealing. But the one that steals out of food should be given food and let him repay it back to you. The one that steals out of greed should be put in prison forever. That's the difference, but it's still sin is sin. One is filled with grace and allowing a person to be reconciled and to face the consequences. The other is with the judgment and authority of God. Murder is murder. So let's just rephrase what a fetus is. Let's just put loopholes. And anyone in church that says abortion is okay, there's something wrong. Something wrong. You need to check your faith with Jesus. Stand before Jesus face to face and say, Jesus, are you good with abortion? See what he says. And I can guarantee you if he says yes, you're not hearing the voice of God. Oh, he is harsh. I'm not saying, what about rape? What about this? That's above my pay grade. I don't get it. But what I do know is that God makes all things good. And so if a person was raped, yes, that's horrific. Let's make sure that we get that girl all the attention she needs. But the cure for cancer may come through that child. What was intended for wrong, God can make it for right. The consequences to the rapist should be held. The love for the victim should be held. But out of that person could come the cure for cancer, but we'll abort it. All these people right now that are saying, just watch it, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, all these guys who are talking, they're saying, we will force you to, they're saying it right now, you don't, they don't even hide it anymore. We will force society to accept LGBTQ community. We will, ex we will force them to accept abortion. We will force it. How will we do it? Through money. 
we will get you to think the way we think by the control of your money. Why? Because that's telling now in the world today, which moves into end time prophecy, which tells us that one world government. And what is the thing that the world worships the most? Money. I struggle with it. I'm looking at stuff here and I'm like, man, Lord, we need some more so we can help more people. We need some more resources so we can get, I mean, we need to get Band of Brothers and Hearts of Beauty started in all these countries. Man, we're in Guatemala starting one. I ha- I'm having to tell guys in Guatemala, tell guys here in Belize, hey, I got to get done with this one before we focus on this one. In Guatemala, guys start finding out about Band of Brothers and they start reaching out to us. So we go and take a night in Antigua and we get reached by guys to find out we're doing Band of Brothers in Guatemala City that are saying, can you do it here also? Hold on, we got to get done with the one in the city first. Well, we need the Hearts of Beauty too. Okay, we have to get that one started first. We need the one up north in Northern Belize. Okay. Lord, I need resources for that. So I'm with you, I get it. What I'm saying is, as I close, keep your face in this. Keep seeking Jesus and be found living a peaceful life, that which God says, not the world. Amen? Gracious Father, Lord, we love you. I thank you. We thank you for the coolness of today. I thank you for all that are home watching, those in Texas and Utah and South Carolina or wherever else, right here in Belize. We love all of you. Lord, may your blessings like this rain pour upon them. It's not a curse. It's just the abundance of you flowing upon us, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.